Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. You just missed the riveting conversation about Syracuse basketball where Dave said a lot of words and I didn't know what any of them meant. Oh, what's what does that mean? <laughs> I actually thought that was a nice little story there for you. I have I no idea, I have no the, idea uh, who, that, who that comp is. I've never heard of him before in my life. So, Do you know what Google is? It could help you. And does it really matter? It's just a player wearing a jersey out in a place you shouldn't be wearing a jersey. <laughs> Han only cares about Eric Dievendorf references. There we go. Here we go. And welcome to the Hoop Collective. This is Ramona Shelburne here today. Cassidy is off on some fabulous vacation. Janae is being a uh, pro basketball player in the WNBA. She tends to do that this time of year. So we've got two all-star shooting guards subbing in tonight. Dave McMenamin out in the land. Are you still in the land, Dave? I am here until there is a decision made. So I am I am uh, really? anchored to the land. Yes. Oh yes, wow! Yes. I'm just thrilled about made. that news. So yeah, let's uh, let's talk basketball. You sound like you're thrilled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you because know, I, I always like to spend year round in, in Cleveland. I never go anywhere in the off season. But yeah, no, that's great. Not at all. Uh, and out in Oklahoma City, which is going to be one of the main hubs outside of the land. I got Royce Young. That's Welcome. right. And I would and I would also much like Dave rather be nowhere else, but that's I, I mean that sincerely. <laughs> <laughs> well Royce Royce and Dave, I assume we will be seeing a lot of you standing out front of either Quicken Loans Arena or the Integra Center in Oklahoma City <laughs> over the next couple of days. How, how where where are we as we are what a week out from free agency? LeBron, I think LeBron officially starts this clock on Friday when he has to decide whether to pick up his player option or not, right, Dave? Right, yeah. Friday at midnight, uh, he will either say he's going to come back to the Cavs next year for thirty five million dollars or opt out as we all expect him to do, and then we find out, you know, sometime in the coming days after that whether this is going to be a situation where. He is leaving. Obviously, that would be the biggest story. Or if he's staying, what type of deal is he looking at? Will he max out with the Cavs and give them what's left of his basketball career with a five-year deal? Or will he sign, which I believe if he does come back to Cleveland, sign a one-plus-one deal, give himself an option in the second year, and then maybe do this entire thing all over again in the summer of 2019? Oh, boy. I'm sure that's what we're all rooting for. (laughs) (laughs) I want him just to do this every summer until he's like 68 years old. It's like when he stopped wearing the headband. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to stop doing the one plus ones. Yeah. It's finally happening. <laughs> um, well, Dave, you know, it's interesting talking about LeBron because in previous LeBron free agencies, I felt like the NBA clock stopped. Like, literally, there was no business being done until LeBron's de- decided. This year, it doesn't feel that way. Like, I feel like there's going to be a lot of other parts of free agency and teams that get settled maybe even before LeBron because they 
because he doesn't have that long a list, right? Like, not everything is tied to LeBron this year. Right. And Ramona, you had a story, you know, I think just like LeBron has learned from his free agency and you wrote a story that, you know, he's not going to really be seeking out elaborate pitches from teams. Uh, It's going to keep it more low key. I think that's something he's learned over, you know, Mm -hmm. 2010, which was, you know, to quote a source of mine, a dog and pony show to 2014 that still had that modicum of drama to it. People tracking the planes of Dan Gilbert going out of Miami. Uh, he's trying to eliminate all that. And I think teams, conversely, they've learned from these two free agencies that he's been through that what are we really going to benefit by halting all of our business to wait and see what he's going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, There are certain teams that are going to be in it and need to wait, and Cleveland, the Los Angeles Lakers at the top of that list. But beyond that, you know, you got you to gotta have an alternate route that you're ready to run down pretty quickly or else you're just hurting your own business. And I'm curious what that means to the Cavs, right? Like if they, if LeBron were to take, I think somebody tweeted out like his average number of days that he takes to decide is somewhere like 9.8 days or something, right? Um, If if it takes that long, would the Cavs wait? Can they wait? Yeah, they should. I mean, what's their alternative? The the only time they've been successful as a franchise in their Mm -hmm. history, basically, or certainly successful in terms of a perennial championship contender is when LeBron James is on the roster. And so I think the Cavs would be severely misinformed uh, and short-sighted for them not to wait out uh, uh-huh. the LeBron scenario. Now, some other teams out there, I wouldn't say, are in that exact same boat. Right. Can but, Philly wait? Can Houston wait? I don't know that they can. Right, and I don't know if Houston necessarily needs to because they have an alternative without LeBron that you know will allow them to keep some of their role players that they would probably have to lose if they got okay. him. And focus on their own guys. Like Clint Capella, you know, is a huge part of their team last year. And obviously you can't compare apples to apples, LeBron and Clint Capella. But the way the team was constructed, if you take care of him, then you can maybe get back to the Western Conference Finals without a LeBron. Philly, I think, is a really interesting case because do they go for plan B in terms of superstar B, whether that be Paul George or Kawhi Leonard? Even though LeBron, obviously, you know, any time you listen to Brett Pound talk over the last 24 oh my months, gosh. you knew you knew that that's the guy that he wants, but he could determine that. And again, like, you know, Brian Windhorst has been saying it. I've been saying it for about a week now that it it's, seems to be kind of a, a two-team race right now between the Lakers and the Cavs. Not to say yeah. that Philly has no chance, but there seems to be just the people you talk to that there's a bit of a gap there. And so I I think Philly would be well informed to be coming up with an alternative solution. Yeah. And Philly, you know, in in terms of what they have to decide and, and, and do with their cap space, they have JJ Redick, they have Ilya Sova, they have Bellinelli, all those guys can leave. Like, so all the shooting that helped them get to the playoffs and help them become a very dangerous team, those guys can sign elsewhere while they're waiting around on LeBron. Um, The other option, which will send this one out to Oklahoma city uh, is Paul George, who in a lot of ways is a better fit for a team like the 76ers than LeBron would be just in terms of the type of game he has, the age he is relative to the Sixers young core. Whereas everything we hear though, is that the Thunder are very confident that Paul George mm-hmm. will be staying right where he is. What What is the source of that confidence? You know, I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact of kind of the relationship that Westbrook and Paul George mm-hmm. built throughout the season, which 
you know, I think from the Thunder perspective went better than even they expected. Um, and I think, I think that a lot of the optimism Ramona stems from the fact that they're just kind of in this conversation at all and not, not to like, you know, tamp down the excitement coming out of uh-huh. Oklahoma city about it. But I do just think that, look, this time last year, they, if, if you flash forward, the Thunder would not be even getting a meeting with Paul George. Right, right. And the fact that they can sit here and realistically feel like that they have a strong chance to re-sign the guy, even if it's a one plus one, to them feels in some ways like a win. Uh, Now, if Paul George ends up leaving, then we're going to relitigate the Victor Oladipo trade again. And you're going to look at this and you're going to say this was a risk that the Thunder shouldn't have taken. But Sam Presti's making that trade 10 times out of 10. He's taken this chance. You know, he has Russell Westbrook in the prime of his career. At the time, he didn't have Russell Westbrook signed to a max level extension. That's right. this is just something that Presti looked at. He, you know, people are going to be critical and they're going to evaluate Sam Presti's tenure as the general manager to the Oklahoma City Thunder for some big moves that he did make and some for some big moves that he didn't make. But one thing you can't ever say about the guy is that he doesn't give it a go. And mm-hmm. um, and trying to recover from losing Kevin Durant, this is the direction they went. So from the Thunder perspective, Ramona, they look at this like, look, they they feel like they're kind of in pole position, mainly for the reason of they've had a year long head start to recruit the yeah. guy. Um, you know, there's a lot of focus on tampering. Well, the Thunder have been tampering with Paul George now for a year, effectively, <laughs> and, yeah. like, and they've been legally doing it because that's why they made this move is to to be able to get in the room with the guy and have a chance at him. Now, with reference to LeBron, as you guys were talking about that, one domino to me that is connected to this is Paul George, right? And and, and the way that these things are yep. going to interlock with each other, especially the the Los Angeles Laker part of this, if. Let's say Paul George decides to re-sign with the Thunder on July 3rd or something, even if it's a one plus one. That's a pretty strong indication that, in my mind, that LeBron is not looking at the Lakers anymore, right? So, like, these type of things do feel like that they're connected in some way. It feels like Paul George is not going to make a decision completely independent of LeBron's decision. If LeBron goes to the Lakers and he goes first, then you have to be sitting there and you all eyes towards Paul George. If Paul George goes to the Lakers first, now you're all eyes at LeBron. Why is Paul George going there? So in terms of a lot of these other teams, Philly, Houston, they may not be sitting around on their hands waiting for LeBron to do it. But in terms of Paul George and the Thunder, they certainly will be. Royce, can you just make that entire point over again for me in less of a Morgan Freeman and Denzel Washington voice? More of a Jamie Fox voice? Yeah, please. Can you do that for me? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to write a better script, though. My script my script was a little bloated, I think. I don't think it was. Listen, you guys both write those, like, those sports center essays sometimes, right? And you have. Yeah, I got one to do tomorrow. Right? You've got these lines that you write sometimes. And you go, man, that feels cheesy. Yeah. But I really <laughs> my eyes at myself. That. But then when you read it and they cut it together and they cut it together, it's okay. You know, like it actually, it, it, the moment calls for drama. So I, I, I'm not saying that that wasn't incredibly cheesy. And if that was really their pitch, which I still am, I want to see verification that was really their pitch. But it's real. I mean, it, it out of context, it looks terrible, right? Oh, you, very, yeah, you cut it together and, with some slick editing and some yeah, cool, cool music. Yeah, you have a good Hollywood direct, you know, some nice editing, well, well produced package with actually the Denzel Washington voice. That yeah. might be kind of cool. Now I'm now I'm imagining Dave's essay read by Jamie Fox. I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, yeah, I gotta see if I can pull some strings to get yeah. that read tomorrow. While you dreamt, you built two. Like it's, it's, I know. It's, but you know what? I'd like to see the finished product because I would probably like it because I'm a sucker for all those things. Yeah. So you write those you write those essays and you write this line like 
you know, Dave, I would imagine your first line for tomorrow's essay on LeBron is something like, he came home four years ago to deliver a championship to the land. Right? Something like <laughs> that. Notes, Dave. Yeah. You should be Pretty, right. ver- verbatim, okay. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clickly clack, clickety clack. Good on one promise. But what does his future hold? <laughs> right? Like something like you write it and you're like, that sounds so cheesy. But when they cut it together and they get those skew producers and they're like really talented, they're usually the skew producers are, are usually like the young, talented people who are hungry and want to make a name for themselves. So I love those people because they like turn around our essays and make them seem like very artistic and cool. Um, mm-hmm. I think, it, you know, like I'm trying to imagine the words that were leaked in the Lakers supposed pitch to Paul George as being cut by one of those people or even a Hollywood director or background or something like that. Like it couldn't possibly read as cheesy in real life unless it was just delivered by Rob Palenka, like as is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or, or and now unless, a dramatic uh, reading by Rob Palenka. <laughs> or unless whoever put together that uh, video when Kobe came back from his Achilles of the uh, jersey being torn apart by a bolt of lightning and uh, like mm. dramatic like uh, music playing in the funny. background for four and a half minutes. <laughs> well, so there you go. So unless Kobe's directing it, it will come out good. <laughs> Hey, my winning Oscar. I don't know. They do have an Oscar winner in the yeah, exactly. whom they can call upon oh, wow. to make a recruiting well, page to Paul they, George. They, they've, made, they've, they've made some some strides since then, the whole Kobe Inc., I think. <laughs> so, well, here's the thing. Like, first of all, I have no idea how you can allow that to leak. Like, that's unbelievably sloppy if that's really their pitch, if that's, if that's a real story. Um, but, you know, especially for a team that is under intense scrutiny for tampering like that is like it's even though it's unintentional tampering it kind of is tampering isn't it like theoretically that would would be about another team's free agent whether they leaked it or not i mean the fact that that got out kind of is tampering yeah that's a good point and like you know this is one of those things ramona where you like dive down the nba conspiracy rabbit hole and you can just get lost in it but like you start like connecting the dots you know like you're uh like an episode of NBA CSI where oh, you're yeah. like, okay, so like, did the Lakers then, do they have a good idea that Paul George isn't going to stay? And so they, and he's going to commit to the Thunder before July 1st, before they can even pitch him in free agency. So now they're trying to strategically leak some of their plans for him to change his mind. And does that mean that, you know, <laughs> so or you can just like. Or Lakers loyalist who thought this pitch is so bad, I have to stop them from making. Exactly. Yeah. You can do it the opposite way. <laughs> I have to stop them and put this out. They'll change course. Yeah, maybe that's really what it is, Ramona, is that they're mm-hmm. they're trying to set the expectations low. And so that now when Paul George sits down and they actually have something even better planned, it's going to just blow them yeah. away. There it is. Uh, but speaking of pitches, here's what, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm interested in from you, Mr. Young. You have covered now the KD free agency, and right. you're about to cover the Paul, Paul George free agency. And I'm wondering what the Thunder learned from Kevin Durant's free agency – that they have applied to Paul, not just now, but like the whole year long? That's a great question. Um, and really, you can make the case that the Thunder have had like three crazy summers because, mm-hmm. you know, they had the Durant one and then they had the uncertainty around Russ and they Ooh. traded for PG. Yep. And then now they have PG. So I think what they've really kind of the big takeaway for them, Ramona, is, you know, th- there's a lot of like a lot of what the Thunder like preach and believe in is like, you know, stick to your core values, believe in your philosophy while also simultaneously like evolving and learning, which is like a difficult thing to do. Um, 
one of the things about it though that they that they certainly have discussed amongst themselves is to understand that like each player is different each player's motivations are different uh-huh. and just because one guy one superstar future hall of famer did this doesn't mean another future hall of famer did that or that one guy liked this doesn't mean that the other guy's going to like that and so you know i think for the thunder themselves they probably haven't learned anything drastic or specific that they are applying they clearly they, they pulled out all the stops. I mean, from the moment Paul George walked off the airplane, they had a welcome party for the guy. They, mm-hmm. like, they like paid attention to every detail they possibly could within that. I mean, they had the right kind of candy that he liked. They took him fishing at like, and who yeah. knows what kind of fish they had probably flown in from like the Pacific <laughs> ocean or something like Paul George is like, man, I just caught like a, like a Marlin in this lake. Like what is going on? This is amazing. Hey. Um, like <laughs> they probably like stocked it full with like exotic creatures. And so he's just blown away. But I think the bigger question for me, Ramona, is not necessarily what have the Thunder learned, but what did Russell Westbrook learn about recruiting the star team back? And and I think what's interesting here is, you know, I hear a lot about Westbrook and George and like kind of the relationship that they've built and that it's really strong off the court. And I think what's what's key about this is, is that Paul George got to meet Russell Westbrook when he was 28 years old. Russell Westbrook at 28 years old is a lot different than the the 20-year-old that Kevin Durant met and got to know. So, you know, while Westbrook and Durant had this, like, they had a unique bond and they had a respect and admiration for each other, but there were a lot of scars to that relationship. Paul George is meeting and getting to know Russell Westbrook as a father, as a married man, as this grown, mature guy that has gone through quite an evolution in terms of personality. And I think that that's that's kind of an interesting element here because you can see one thing that, that Russell Westbrook was not known for you know this Ramona, is he's not a real social guy when, when it comes yep. to like team dinners and like hanging out cookouts at the house and playing video games and doing those type of things westbrook was often i kind of isolated because he wanted to be because he is so structured yep. within his own family and his own group and he's kind of broken out of that shell with paul george you know they went paintballing together out in la a few weeks ago they've done things uh. off the court so like i think westbrook has kind of tried to learn like i gotta i I gotta be a little bit different. I gotta be the recruiter here myself. Do you feel like that's what? important to him, like in his career? Because I always thought it was like this is his second chance to prove that yeah. he can keep, you know, a, a co-star. I think I absolutely. I think that Russell Westbrook, you know, it's, it's a conversation I've had with him, and other people have talked to him about. He's aware of the the idea that people don't want to play with him, and mm. whether that's true or not. Um, and and really, this is kind of an unfair setup in some ways for him. You know, like Paul Paul George coming to Oklahoma City. You know, they were never on the radar, right? So, like, you know, it was well known that the Lakers were his preferred destination. So, like, Thunder were, the Thunder and Westbrook always swimming upstream here. And, you know, if Westbrook can pull it off, it's a feather in his cap for sure. Um, and But at the same time, you know, it's going to be something that people are going to, you know, it's going to be something people are going to talk about. It's going to be a, a narrative that persists if Paul George leaves, whether it was Westbrook's fault or not, whether Durant leaving was Westbrook's fault or not. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be something that people talk about. Royce, you you floated the one plus one with Paul. Do you think that's that's tied to LeBron though? You like the guy floated the one plus one. Sure. Do you think they would just be both mutually deciding like, we'll kick it down the the can down the road a year, and then LA could be a possible possibility for both of them in twenty nights. I think so because I mean there's a there's multiple reasons right for that Dave like one you get to see where the Lakers go from here you get to see what their their core looks like how you can see the Kawhi Leonard situation play out for one um, but I, I think for Paul George there's kind of this fascination you know he talked about it publicly and you know whether or not you want to take him at his word he repeated constantly in Oklahoma City that this is year one but 
I want to see where where this can go. This is this is the first year of something. And you know, they even talked about uh, Paul George even said it, Dave, uh, and I, I assume he reference to LeBron, but he talked about who knows who we could even recruit here. You know, mm-hmm. like in Oklahoma City. So I think Paul George has kind of had this mindset like. I'm playing with the best player I've ever played with. Russell, you know, Paul George has never played with a player like Westbrook. And I think he's kind of like, I want to see where else it can go. Like, you know, he saw some really positive things there. And so maybe that's what his mindset is. But let me ask you this. On the flip side of this, Dave, do you feel like Paul George is kind of like, in a backwards way, the guy that kind of controls it? Like, you know, if if he goes to L.A., that gives LeBron a lot of incentive to go to L.A., right? But yeah, I, I agree stay with that. OKC, does that change LeBron? Like, is LeBron like, well, I might as well just stay in Cleveland? Well, I think of when LeBron came to Cleveland in 2014, he never officially announced it, but it seemed like he gave himself a two-year timeline to win. Like, he didn't he didn't expect to win in year one. Now, when they got to the finals, it was he upset that they lost with Kevin Love with the shoulder hurt and Kyrie knees, Kyrie's knee blowing up in the overtime of game one? Absolutely. But he didn't necessarily expect to win in year one there. And I think it would be the same case with the Lakers. If he went there this year, I don't think he would expect to win a championship in 2019. He'd love to, but I don't think he'd expect it. And so I think I could see a scenario where LeBron still goes to Lakers without a Paul George, without a Chris Paul, without a Kawhi Leonard, knowing that a lot can change in a year. Uh, But I do feel like it makes the decision a lot easier if he knows he has one guy in tow, because we know like that's this league as much as superstars move around. It is still really a miracle every time they, that, that does happen because so much goes into it. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I think Paul George has a lot of, will have a lot of influence on what LeBron does. Is, is there any of LeBron Dave that like he, you know, I feel like this is the great unspoken when it comes to LeBron and his future that he is in his mid thirties, right? <laughs> so, like, um, like, is there any like feeling of like it, it feels like LeBron is superhuman, and we saw him have maybe the best year of his career ever at, at year fifteen, but like where he's kind of like maybe I don't have that kind of like giveaway year where it's like let's like slow play this a little bit, where you know the, you got to hit the accelerate button because there's only maybe three or four years of true prime left. Well, I mean that might that sentiment might exist. First of all, I have a problem with your mid thirties line. Like I'm thirty five, I don't even address myself as mid thirties. LeBron's <laughs> it's literally the definition. We have to, so we have to say that he's early thirties, thirty three. Okay. Like give a guy a break. But um, I, I, if if LeBron thought that way, you know, then he might as well retire because there is there is no fast track to a championship outside of going to the Golden State Warriors. True. Like the, the, I, I think even if you know the Boston scenario has been bandied about, but even there, you know, there's the, there's fit and there's young players, and I, so I, I, I think he would behoove himself to have that patience. And again, like he likes to say, the way he plays basketball is he can see plays developing two or three possessions ahead of time. It's he kind of has to look at this the same way that you know if I go to LA, it's going to look like one thing in July 2018, but it could look completely different in February 2019 and completely different True. in July of 2019. I think the same thing with the, with the Cavs. If he comes back to the Cavs, he has to recognize that, yeah, it looks this way right now, but hey, my first year in Cleveland, we got JR and Timo and Iman Shumpert at the trade deadline. Next year, Channing Fry at the trade deadline. After that, Kyle Korver at the trade deadline. And then this past year, they completely changed the team at the trade deadline to recognize that the team that he will be committing to play with in July 
could be or very well uh, should be different than the team he's going to be playing with in April as he embarks on trying to make a fifth straight final. Yeah, true. Because we live in this like post Warriors world where everything's in the context of like, okay, but what does it mean if you can't beat Golden State? But like, right. there's also the truth of like, there's a good chance that the Warriors aren't going to endure for the next 10 years, you know, like as they currently are constructed. I mean, there's, there's probably pieces that are going to come and go from that one as well. And while this window of dominance looks insurmountable for everyone, it could be over in a year and a half, you know, like, I mean, like Kevin Durant right. could go somewhere else. Um, so, yeah. you know, I, I think that that's probably something that LeBron, Paul George and everybody else probably has on their mind. Dave, you know, when we were just finishing up the finals there in Cleveland, it almost seemed like the fans in Cleveland were resigned to the idea that he could have played his last game there. Like, it wouldn't be a shock to them if he left. If anything, I felt like they were expecting it based on how the team finished, based on how the whole year played out, how much how much he had to carry them. It, you know, in some ways, like, there's the perfect out for him right now, right? There's, I don't think they would be burning his jersey this time around. After oh, I agree with that. Yeah. The run he had. And, I mean, kicking the can down the road one year, in some ways, you, you lost your perfect out. Yeah, but I think that's okay because he'll always have June 19th, 2016 if he ever decides to, to leave. Yeah. And he's bought himself the equity in this town uh, yeah. where I think the overall rational sports fan will take over and there will be a feeling of appreciation for the rest of his career. Um, I think at the same time, you know, you look at the devil's advocate wise, everyone thinks he's leaving. He could get this great warm rush of, uh, you know, goodwill if he wants to return, you know, and and he's the conquering hero returning once again. And, you know, you almost took him for granted. And then you recognize just how special he is with with what a run. He left everything on the court, played 82 Uh games for the first time in his career, had one of the most remarkable postseason runs ever. And guess what? We get to run it back, and here's another season-long encore. And it's like you're the best rock band you've ever seen, and let's keep our lighters out the entire set. And um, I, I think <laughs> as, as LeBron is someone who's, you know, much like Kobe, has taken a, a keen interest in storytelling late in his career, uh, I think there's a big appeal there. And, and actually, to some extent, what's the one thing we all say that the one kind of uh, uh, wart on his resume. It's the decision, right? Right. Yeah. He could make he could kind of make up for that a little bit this summer by everybody thinks he's going to leave this time and coming back. Huh. Right. Well, make the case, okay? What 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 is there for him in Cleveland other than you? I know that yeah. you're. Well. <laughs> I mean, when I go to Cleveland, yeah. they have a couple of nice bars right by the arena. You know, <laughs> I really like Heinen's Market. You know, that's a good spot. Yeah, it's a good but spot. Make good the spot. case. Make the case. So the, the, the case is that he has a manageable path to the NBA Finals, and you need to get to the Finals, have a chance to win a championship, that a team that only had 29 games together in the regular season with pervasive injuries yeah. in those 29 games, with the head coach having a medical leave of absence for nine games, still made it to the Finals. And in those Finals against the supposed juggernaut that is the Golden State Warriors, it's a one-possession game in game one in the final yep. minute. It's a one-possession game in game three in the final minute. And so with some retooling and by the addition of a Colin Sexton and then obviously additional retooling that we'll see, whether it's going to be in the summer through trades or as we get into the regular season through trades or buyout market, 
where you know OKC says goodbye to Melo, and then Melo says you can duck my sick in Cleveland this, this next <laughs> season. They they, they they look a lot better, um, and I, I think that's a feasible path that he can look at and say, you know what, I, I have enough to get there. If we make some tweaks along the way, you know, it could have gone different. Because like I'll tell you this much, like. LeBron thought he had a chance in the NBA Finals. I know it was a sweep, and you know I, I know he thought his chance basically left the building at the end of regulation in Game One, and that's why uh-huh. he had, you know such an un- uncharacteristic explosion. But he believed he had a chance. He thought Warriors yeah. had a little bit of a disarray going on behind the scenes, and if he stole one in Game One, you know who knows what happens in that opposing locker room, and then you're in their heads. And so it, it's not such a leap. To suggest he would return, and you know, oh, everyone's saying, "Oh, Philly's going to get better." Well, Philly needs to resign these these shooters, and Boston's going to get better. Well, will the young players have the same type of growth when they have the you know those two all stars kind of controlling the ball the way that they do? And, and Kyrie and Gordon stay happy, right? And everybody stay happy. So, I mean, there's as viable of a path in Cleveland that you can actually kind of like tangibly look at. Um, I think probably more so than any other place because L.A. is like the great unknown. It's, I've been calling it a blank canvas. They can turn it into something, but Magic has to do that. And right. it's, you know, the Lakers have been trying to do that for five years now, and they haven't been able to pull it off. And, you know, now sometimes I think it's benefited them. If they gave the Max DeMello and LaMarcus Aldridge, they don't have a chance of LeBron this summer, and this is probably a better scenario. But they have to pull it off, whereas the Cavs have to do less. I think to convince him, the Cavs can say, "Hey, we know you're on the road half the year. We know your, you know, your wife's, uh, your in-laws help raise your children. Um, it's, it's nice to have that, right? It's nice to have four of your, uh, you know, close people, people close to you on our payroll. It's nice to be able to have a built-in vacation in the middle of the season where we go to Napa Valley as a team, or we give you our blessing to go down to Miami in the middle of the playoffs to hang out with your former teammates." And, and that's cool with us. Um, there's a whole lot of uh, comfort, uh, you know, comfort factor that he has in Cleveland that's baked in right now. That you know, another franchise could present it to him that way, but who knows? You never know. That's the fear of the unknown. Uh, in Cleveland, he so has. So maybe all the those question things. becomes: maybe the question becomes, you know, I, I I hear what you're saying and a lot of that because Dan Gilbert has proven he's willing to go deep into the luxury tax. He's willing to make moves. He's willing to do what really the Heat kind of didn't do towards the end of his tenure there, right? When they amnestied Mike Miller. Um, Mm -hmm. But the question is, how much did the Kyrie trade and how much did the way that this year's team was built and then reshaped, was he happy or unhappy with how the Cavs approached it? Because they didn't have to trade Kyrie, hold on to that number eight pick. They could have gone out and used that pick to go try to trade for Kawhi or whoever else you want to say at the deadline. Um, but they, because he wouldn't commit to them long term, they said we have to have a foot on both both paths, right? We have to build for the future, but also, you know, while while still trying to retain you. Was there a frustration on LeBron's part? Like, how much did that affect their relationship? Oh, there absolutely was a frustration, and I think uh, trust was eroded a little bit. But you know, he was certainly re-energized by the midseason trades, and, uh-huh. and you know, listen. <laughs> There was a much more egregious break of trust back in 2010, and he was able to yeah. get by that. You know, and, and the the quote that him and his camp use is "progress over pride," 
And, mm. you know, if he didn't get past that, he wouldn't have the greatest moment of his basketball career beating the Warriors in 2016. And so, you know, yes, it, it bothered him. It, it bothered him that the, the Kyrie trade was made. I, you know, about, I wrote this, you know, along with Brian Winters, it bothered him as a businessman as much as a teammate because he felt like when they reopened the trade, they had the Celtics on the ropes and didn't get uh, another young asset out of Terry Rozier out of the deal, Jason Tatum out of the deal, uh, the Sacramento Kings pick out of the deal. Right. Uh, but at the same time, him hanging on to that isn't going to serve him any, any, like anything positive as he tries to play out the rest of his career. And mm. despite that, and despite the rocky history he's had with Dan Gilbert, there's many reasons that he can look at and say, this is still the best place for me to finish my career. Hey, Chanae. What's good, man? As a professional athlete, would you call yourself a business? I definitely am a business. You I think the... everyone has their own brand, right? right? And they're trying to expand their brands. You're the CEO of Chanae Industries? Yes. Is Chanae Industries hiring? You know what? They might one day. Not now, but maybe tomorrow. Someday over the rainbow. When you do. <laughs> when you do start hiring, yeah. I know a great place where you could post a job Tell online me. and get a bunch of candidates. Okay. What's it called? It's called ZipRecruiter. <laughs> and with ZipRecruiter, wait, hold on. Pause for the cause. And with ZipRecruiter, you could post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards just one click. You know, that's so smart because everything's becoming digital. Everything's becoming more technological. And, you know, ZipRecruiter puts it smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job, your brand, what you're trying to push within minutes, not even hours, not days, within minutes. Amen. So you receive the best possible matches. That's what makes it it's so like different. It's like swipe right. You know what I mean? It swipe makes everything right. swipe right. Exactly. I like Remember it. Remember when we actually had to go and talk to people? Right. And find out? Now the technology brings them to yeah. us. You Cheat can e- code. You can even get a head start on the interview process by adding screening questions to your job post to help identify the most qualified candidates. You don't have to waste time. Sort of do a stack of resumes. I remember when I was working for uh, for uh, the Phoenix Suns, I had to go through intern resumes and cover letters and all that. That's and a lot. Me, it's boring. Yeah, it's, no. It's a time waste. That's why I was the one who had to do it because Steve Kerr and those guys were a lot more busy doing other things. <laughs> No, well, no wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one dude, day. Dude, you're telling me you can get hired in one day? Yeah. Yes, you can. <laughs> That's legendary. And you can, you can find that person that you want to hire in just one day. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. Free 99, baby. Free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. One more time. (laughs) To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. And I know some of you guys can't spell out there, so that's C-O-L-L. E C T I V E. Like Hoop Collective minus the Hoop. That's where it came from. Yes, smart. What? <laughs> Smartest way to hire. Morty. <laughs> <laughs>
Royce, when you uh, when you look at the Paul George, you know, scenario, the the Paul George of it all in this, right? Um, so much of this comes down to personality and what kind of guy he really is, right? Just mm-hmm. like it did with Kevin Durant. Just like you know, you the Thunder had him for nine years. They knew him, and yet at the end, I think they thought they were keeping him all the way until the end as well, um, until the Hamptons Five got right a hold of him, right? But you know, the, do they do they know Paul George well enough to know how to approach him or to have any sense of how he's going to, to behave during this during this process? I'm not sure That's, because you know they they have felt incredibly great about their conversations with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, you know, the Thunder pride themselves on being very transparent, very candid, yeah. communicating openly with players. You know, they did with Carmelo Anthony throughout uh-huh. the process of him not terminating his contract. I mean, they, they, that is something the Thunder, you know, want to do as well or better than any franchise in all the sports is like, we communicate with our players, but they understand what the stakes are. They understand our position and they, you know, they feel comfortable, like they know exactly what's going on now, mm. but there's just no way that they can like truly feel like they have a complete pulse on, you know, what's important to Paul George. I feel like without, you know, completely in, in the same way that they did with Durant. I mean, they, like you said, they, they know, they knew Kevin Durant, they know Kevin Durant, they know, um, you know, what made him the way he is, what his goals and desires and all the different types of things. They knew the relationship with coaches and staff and teammates and all those type of things. And, you know, maybe in some ways, Ramona, it's it's almost maybe better not to completely know the guy. And maybe there's, you know, there's some some secrets that it's, you know, in terms of a relationship, it's better like, you know, you, you keep a few skeletons in the closet and it's better for both sides to kind of have it that way. Um, and, uh, you know, like that, that – like if um, you know, because I, I think that there, there's clearly with Paul George, you know, the Thunder feel like that he said some very positive things about their organization. Yeah, and you know, you hear you hear from people that covered PG in Indiana for a number of years, and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's what he does, though. He just kind of says what people want right. want to hear at the time, and you you know, you can't necessarily read into it. Well, on the flip side, the Thunder is sitting there going, man, he's saying these really nice things about us, and that makes us feel great, like. You know, he, he clearly yeah. has to mean that. Right. And so but, you know, on the flip side, back in Indianapolis, they're like, no, no, no. That's just what he does. So, you know, I, it's it's kind of hard to, to judge. I would say this. Look, I think the Thunder clearly all along felt like that they had even from day one put themselves in a strong position with with Paul George. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are going to relitigate the Carmelo Anthony trade and you know the yeah. fact that they made the deal. And, you know, I, for one, was not a, a, a big uh, person in favor of it. Uh, of the deal for Melo, but it's one of those things where you kind of look at like the ripple effect of a, of a deal like that. I know for a fact that that trade made an impact on Paul George. Like he, he came from Indianapolis where he watched David West and Danny Granger and, you know, George Hill and different players kind of get picked away from an Eastern conference finals team. And then he showed up in Oklahoma city and they go and trade for a 10 time all-star and future hall of famer. And I think Paul George was like, wow, that's what it's all about here. Like that trade, like made a tangible impact on like his perception of Sam Presti and the Thunder organization. So does that play a factor come July 1st? I don't know, but, but I know that, you know, the Thunder, there was teams around the league that were certainly inquiring about Paul George at the trade deadline. And the Thunder hadn't, no desire and no inclination to even engage anybody really yeah. in those in those discussions because they felt like it was and, and you know you know Sam Presti like I do he, he's going to try to maximize an asset if he can yep. and yep. if he feels like he's going to lose it and for him to say like 
Paul George is off limits to me speaks to the fact that they felt like that they've they've had a good chance at him all along. So yeah. Royce, one, you were saying uh, the Paul George is saying all the right things and it's making the organization feel good. Isn't that deja vu to Kevin Durant? Yep. Yes, no doubt about okay. it. Okay. And then the second thing is, Andrew, I need your help on this. When Royce starts talking bad on Carmelo, can I have like a Syracuse blasphemy <laughs> button? I can just cue you to hit. That's that, only, that only fair. My mic just for gets us cut. To have that. Yeah, exactly. What's, what's Syracuse again? Oh wow. Okay. Can I use that? Button? I create the button myself over here. Let me say this though about the whole like, didn't the Thunder hear this with Durant as well? That. True, completely fair. Yes. Durant said right. a lot of things that that I think felt, and and it left people in Oklahoma City and the Thunder organization, you know, kind of like that they had been led down a, a path um, and been deceived a little bit. That is that is completely true, and I think all a lot of professional athletes are guilty of saying things publicly that that maybe they didn't necessarily truly mean or that was for you know public perception or whatever it might have been. But there is also like the responsible thing to do is to not directly say, okay, they have one you know all star player. And they have another all-star player, so therefore those two guys are exactly the same. And just because one said this, another didn't say this. The Thunder's last big free agency kind of thing that they went through was Russell Westbrook. And that was a guy that said things and did the things that he said. So, you know, while it wasn't necessarily true free agency, they re-signed the last last all-star player that they had come through Oklahoma City, and that's Russell Westbrook. They re-signed him twice. So, you know, I think that you know, it's it's human instinct, I think, Dave, to kind of be like, well, Durant said it, so therefore Paul George, and, you know, you draw that comparison. But I think it's only fair to just say that, like, look, they're different people and they may have different motivations. This is a question for both of you, and, I, and I'm and i curious because you, you both know the general manager of your teams pretty well, even though Kobe Altman's kind of a, you know, still hasn't been on the job for a year yet. But I feel like we kind of know him, right, Dave? Yeah, yeah. What, I mean, he's been here the what, four years I've been here. Yeah. What's what's the wild card here? I mean, both of them have proven to be a little unpredictable, a little aggressive, right? Not afraid to take risks, not afraid to take a swing. So, is there a wild card here that either is there a rabbit that either of them can pull out of a hat before we hit free agency, and then maybe even afterwards? LeBron to OKC. That's the grand twist. (laughs) (laughs) I'm bunking up with you, Royce. Let's do this thing. We got an extra room. You stay upstairs. Hey, I will say this. there, I will say this, that like at one point during the season that PG was talking about like, you know, this is year one and who knows who else we can get here. And I'm pretty sure he was in his mind. He was thinking we're going to go recruit LeBron. <laughs> but I mean, is there a Kawhi trade in here? No. Is there a, a somebody somebody calls up the Wizards and says, you know, that whole thing didn't work. Let's see if you can send Bradley Beal out here. And we'll do, I mean, is there. Is there something? Is there something in there that uh, can 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 you take Melo's deal and say, you know what? Let's let you now that you opted in. But how about we call up the Clippers and see if we can swap problems with with DeAndre Jordan? K. DeAndre come to Oklahoma for a year. I mean, is there is there something like that out there? I mean, the, the Cavs made a a real run at DeAndre at the trade deadline. It didn't work out, yeah. and it quite frankly disappointed LeBron. I, I think that would have been his preferred guy if anybody out was out there. Yeah. Um, you can approximate uh, DeAndre Jordan if this buyout goes through for Dwight Howard in OKC, excuse yeah. me, in Brooklyn. And, you know, maybe you take a flyer on him and, and you think that just the reverence that Dwight might have for LeBron having been kind of the 
you know, the understudy oh. to him for all these oh, years. Right. right now, if that's their savior. Well, okay. well, I'm just saying this is they're going to have to be able to work around the fringes. Yeah. You know, they have a trade exception that's worth about six million dollars. They have the ability to do the taxpayers mid-level. Um, and that's that's really what this is. Unless they want to package, you know, Colin Sexton and Kevin Love for something. You know, they called up San Antonio with offering that type of package for Kawhi Leonard and came away with the impression that they, they were nowhere near the, having the type of assets that San Antonio would want from Leonard. So I don't think Leonard's happening. And if you do make a deal like that, you know, to – say Charlotte for Kemba Walker and Marvin Williams or Kemba Walker and Batum or some sort of combination there. Are you really getting that much better? Like, I'm not so sure. Mm. And so you know, I, I think, you know, along the same lines of your story about LeBron not wanting this, you know, elaborate free agent pitches, you're not really going to, you're not going to have a cloak and dagger presentation to him. You're not going to say all right. of a sudden we're something we're not. What they are is a team that's been to four straight finals that was in two finals games down to the final minute in one possession game who have the ability to get better through continuity and improve their team at the trade deadline just as they have the last four years. And that plus being a Northeast Ohio native and being the most beloved athlete the city's ever known, that will be the pitch. Like that, And LeBron already, the thing is LeBron already knows all these things, right? So it, I don't think there'll be some some grand scheme, but... You know, who knows? Maybe Dan Gilbert has something up his sleeve that I haven't even thought of. What about this scenario, Dave? Tell me if I'm crazy. That what if, uh, what if, you know, because the, the Cavs tried to get PG once. What if, what if LeBron and PG want to play together in Cleveland? Would, I mean, is that enough to motivate LeBron to say, like, okay, I'll stay here? And, you know, obviously you'd trade Kevin Love. I guess it'd be like, it'd be the Chris Paul situation. You know, you'd, Paul George would have to opt in to the final year of his deal. And they, then they would work a trade scenario there. Like, is that like a potential curveball that like could like if LeBron is like so like I want to play with Paul George, but I want it to be in Cleveland. Like, is that something that could be worked out? I, I think so. I mean, they they tried to trade for him last year. They thought they had him, but right. why would I guess why would two things? Why would Paul want to do that if he can play with LeBron in L.A. and we right. like we know that's a tangible unless it's just LeBron saying I likes. am staying in Cleveland. This is where I'm at. Got it. Um, I mean, I guess that's the only chance. Yeah, I guess that's the only chance. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think obviously the Cavs would have interest in that deal. I think they would, you know, Kevin only has two more years left on his deal and the second year is a player option anyway. So it's not like you're trading security of having a, a star under contract for years to come if you do make that deal. And, and you know, does, but does Sam Presti have interest in recreating oh, yeah. that fabled UCLA team? Yeah, I mean, you get you get the roomies back together, Kevin Love and Russell Westbrook. I mean, but I, I mean, mean, clearly the Thunder would instead of watching Paul George walk away to nothing, likely to Los Angeles, now a Western Conference team that's in your way, you could he could go east and you could get something back in return. I think that that's something the Thunder would certainly be ready to jump at. Well, I, I think if if they were ready to jump at that, and the Cavs were able to put that together, I think yeah, absolutely that would improve the chances of LeBron returning to Cleveland. But to me, like, I don't know. I reported that the Cavs aren't actively shopping Kevin Love. Like, you know, uh, that was not coming from like one side of things. It was from, you know, without revealing sources. And so I'm not quite sure exactly what the messaging was there. You know, uh, is is it enticing teams to call up about him and, and 
enticing Sam to call up about them. I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure. Hey, just um, so you guys know, this is not for sale. <laughs> I really, I don't want to sell. Him, it's worth too much. To but me. if if you choose to shop for him, yeah. you know, it's a different <laughs> different thing. Just telling but, you, it's going to cost you a lot. But <laughs> Le- LeBron's language has been, "I need uh, versatile playmakers," and he's been saying right. that for the last three years. Paul George is that he can guard four positions on the court. He can bring the ball up. He can catch and shoot. He can do, we all know these things that he can do. Right. Um, outside of Ethan Strauss, who once called him not a top 10 player in the league, which was interesting, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> throw some shade at Ethan, take that radio, Ethan. Um, but, uh, no, I, I think that scenario would, um, certainly satisfy, uh, the, the Cavs in terms of putting them in the best position to, to entice LeBron. I'm just, I'm just wondering the situation where Paul George sits down and say like, look, I'm, I'm going to leave. Like I'm just leaving. And that's just, I'm going somewhere else. I want to go play with LeBron. And then from the thunder, they're like, okay, we can get you to LeBron. Like, and, and we're going to try to do it this way. And like, you know, I, I could just, I can just envision Sam Presti, like, you know, those going that direction just to try to make sure that he, you know, doesn't walk away empty handed again, because they've seen what it looks like when a franchise level player walks away and you get nothing in return and it's not, it, it's not a pretty picture. But I think, that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to like, I'm just trying to put logic to this, but that goes against all of the reading, the tea leaves of them being confident about him wanting to return. Of course, of course. Oh, I, oh, I know. But Ramona brought up the curveball scenarios. So that's what I'm, okay, just, I'm okay. trying to, so just, I'm trying to go, go curveball scenario. Curveball. He's just I got, warming I like up. It. He's okay. just warming up the arm, you know, I like it. I think a yeah, lot I'm of us, the bullpen. Are, you know, I, I keep, waiting for the like today was the weird you know lakers pitch thing that leaks right what's the next weird thing that happens i remember last year last time around it was dan gilbert flying to miami and we're all tracking his plane right there's gonna be some kind of strange side side story to all this um that we're all you know all of us amateur nba detectives will be unpacking but i i've gone through enough of these free agencies now to feel like probably both guys have a pretty good sense of what they're going to do. Um, all right, guys, on that note, I am going to let both of you go and take some downtime because you have a few days before the storm hits. And I expect both of you to be sunbaked, standing outside, freaking loans, which is like warm this time of year, right? Standing outside there, Dave? Oh, yeah. It's actually, and, it is nice weather. Yes, for sure. Yeah, nice and nice and clean this time of year. And then Royce. Yeah. It is very hot. hot where you are, and you are going to be. I remember last time I saw you, and I started worrying about you being getting dehydrated. Maybe this is like <laughs> the mom and me. I'm like, oh gosh, you'll make sure Royce is drinking water because he's on TV all day, and it looks very hot there. Thank so you. make sure you get rested up because I'm sure you're going to be working around on the clock, and then finally, sometime maybe in the first week of July, we yeah. will all we will all have our answers. It's good times though. This is this is the fun stuff. 